Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us podcast. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. As you probably figured out, this is not the scheduled programming for this evening. In an unfortunate turn of events, the studio computer finally bit the dust. There is some good news, and there is some bad news. The good news is that the episode was not completely lost. But the bad news is I can't finish editing until the new computer arrives later this week. So for this, I truly apologize, but unfortunately, it's completely out of my hands. So in the meantime, please enjoy Monsters Among Us Beyond, number 11, an episode that had previously only been found through Patreon. In this episode, I sit down with my brother, and we talk about the sighting that initially launched me into the cryptid world. So again, I apologize for the delay, but please, enjoy Monsters Among Us Beyond, number 11. And I'll see you guys in a couple days. Welcome to Monsters Among Us Beyond. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. What I plan on doing, uh, I'm going to do a, I guess, a deep dive on witness encounters. And I'm actually going to start with my very own encounter. And for that, I have a special guest tonight. All the way from my hometown, my brother Trevor. Hey Trevor, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. So basically, uh, I've already laid the groundwork for this, but we're discussing our big cat sighting that took place when we were kids, and I don't even know what year this took place. Do you happen to know when that happened? I, I was thinking I was around eight, so maybe you know, like nineteen ninety. Okay, I was thinking nineteen eighty nine. So we're pretty much in the same area. Yeah, um, that's that's not too bad. Okay, so let's start off with you just telling us in your words exactly what happened that day. Okay. Um, we were uh, down in the woods. The property we grew up on had lots of woods, and the next-door neighbor you know, had plenty of acreage as well. Um, so we were over at the neighbor's property playing just down the woods, down by the creek. And I'm pretty sure it was uh, you and me, and then our neighbor, Kenny, was there. I don't remember if anybody else was there, but those are the three that I, that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so... As we're playing or messing around, we heard a crashing in the woods, and we look up on the hill, or at least I look up on the hill, and I see uh, very clearly the side of a black, large cat. Um, And it was running full sprint as fast as it could uh, away from us. I I distinctly remember the long tail is what caught caught my attention, so I knew it wasn't uh, like one of our dogs or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And as it ran, we tried to catch up to it and get to an opening in the field where the clearing was. And as fast as we went, we couldn't even come close to catching it. And by the time it got out of the woods, it was long gone. Just a really quick, quick sighting. Now, Trevor, before we go any further, do you mind telling everybody what you do for a living? I'm a police officer. So you are, so you're trained uh, to observe and report. Yes, absolutely. So obviously, you weren't trained to observe and report when you were eight or nine years old. So as a police officer, you are uh, trusted in the community. So people trust your opinion, and people, you know, respect uh, what you have to say. Yeah, I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking back, is there anything in that sighting that you think could have changed your opinion in their way? Um, I don't think. I mean, just being so long ago and trying to, you know, remember and, and retell the story to, uh, you know, friends or us even as we relive it, maybe it's changed a little bit. But I distinctly remember that this thing looked exactly like a cat, but it was large, like two feet three feet tall at the shoulders and then a really long tail i really remember the tail being behind it as it's running out into that clearing so we're trying to catch up to it mm-hmm. now how tall would you say it was at the shoulder i would say at least two feet maybe a little bit taller okay and how long would you uh, excluding the tail how long would you uh, assume that the length of the body was uh, I, I would think every bit three feet maybe okay. more maybe more so clearly not a house cat. No, clearly not. Clearly not. Something definitely a lot bigger. So when we were kids, you told me a story about seeing this thing again, eating, I believe it was a groundhog or something like that. Uh, was that a story that you told me just, you know, trying to build up the experience or was that something that actually happened? No, this, that, I actually kind of forgot about it until you just mentioned it, but that did happen. Um, very distinctly remember that though. Would you mind telling us the story of that? No, absolutely. Um, it was it was cold. It was kind of winter time. Um, I was walking down in the woods, and you know, kind of the same woods, very close to the same area, actually. And we had a dog at the time. His name was Butch, and he was a big, long black dog. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking, you know, five, ten years after the first sighting. Maybe not quite ten years. Probably more five years after the first sighting, and walking down to the creek just to play and mess around like we always do and i see the black mass and i assumed it was this dog butch so i'm yelling at him come here what's what do you got what are you doing and you know just trying to get his attention and he's not Mm -hmm. moving and as i get closer it turned towards me and i realized it wasn't our dog at all that it looked very similar to that type of cat um that we'd seen before and it had an animal in its mouth, which I thought was a groundhog just by being in that area. Um, I remember seeing some blood and everything else, like it was sitting there eating it. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, it scared me, so I took off running um, back up the hill and, and straight into the house. Um, and I, I don't remember seeing the dog that day either. Okay. And that's pretty, we much, that's pretty much the story I remember you telling me. Oh, what was that? 30 years ago at this point, probably. Probably really close, yeah. Okay. Um, now, the last thing I want to have you tell me is, do you remember Dad telling us a story about him seeing this creature? I think, if that's the one where he was at the pond. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I kind of remember that one as well. Um, I don't 
I was not there. I don't remember this one, but I just have heard it a couple times. Okay, okay. Yeah, I wasn't there either, but I remembered some details about it, and I, I know I included that in my version of the story, so I wanted to at least touch on that. So uh, I don't know if you remember this, but after our sighting, we ran home, and we couldn't wait for Dad to get off work. And when he finally did, you know, we excitedly told him, hey, we saw a big black panther, for lack of a better term, down in the woods. And his reaction was, yeah, I saw that thing, you know, a couple of weeks ago or something along those lines. In your mind, were you thinking what I was thinking, which was, why are we allowed to be in the woods if he knows something that large uh, that's clearly a predator is down there lurking around? You know, it makes sense to think that. Um, but it didn't seem like anybody really minded that we went out. I mean, we'd run out all day long come back when we were hungry or come back when it got dark whichever came first and i didn't think anything of it um even myself i don't remember being really scared to go back down there um it's almost like we wanted to find it again yeah i remember you know looking for it several different times we uh, put together excursions i think we called them to go down and try to find this thing we may have even built some sort of trap at some point to try to capture it but we took it seriously and for some reason i don't know why but we weren't that afraid of it even though it clearly could have taken one of us out yeah i, I think it could have um you know as small as we were and as big as this thing was um i do remember trying to go back and find the tracks and the, the path that it took that we saw it running on um but i don't think we were able to actually find out exactly where that was and couldn't find tracks or anything um would have been really cool to find them though yeah yeah definitely would have. we should have gone up on the hillside and you know dug around a bit but it was heavy leaf litter so, you know, we probably wouldn't have found any tracks anyway. Right. All right. Exactly. Now, you said that your second sighting of this thing happened in the wintertime. And I do recall that the first one that we had happened in the summertime. I believe we were out of school. So that would imply that this thing was hanging around for several months. Yeah, that's that's what I would think, too. I, I remember it being cold because um, it kind of caught me off guard that the dog would be down there eating anything anyway. Um which, you know, I'd never seen that happen. This was kind of a really lazy, <laughs> big dog. Yeah, um, he was. Unless it was his dog food bowl, I don't think it would have been doing anything like that. <laughs> um, so that's kind of what caught me off guard and why I was kind of concerned about getting the, the attention of our dog and then finding out it wasn't the dog at all. So Yeah, yeah, and we nicknamed this dog Eeyore because of his behavior. So <laughs> Yes, exactly. It didn't, what we saw, uh, what you saw twice and what I saw once, doesn't fall in line with what Butch did whatsoever. And there's no way he would have just been running around without him being right next to us. He was basically under our feet at any given time, especially if we were in the woods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would he would be right there with us. And um, even when we saw it running, there's no way it would have been that dog because um, he definitely wasn't that fast. Yeah, the creature was exceptionally fast. The one thing that gives me a bit of pause, though, is the amount of noise that it made while it ran. Uh, you know, I have cats now, and they are stealthy when they want to be. Uh, he could, you know, a house cat could easily run through the woods and not make a sound. I've seen it happen. So do you think a larger cat would have that ability in that area? Is that something that sticks out to you, or was that easily dismissed? Um, I would say it did. I mean, that's what I distinctly remember getting our attention was the sound. Um, it wasn't like somebody spotted it just going across. I think we heard the noise and looked up the hill. Sorry, it was like a stick break or something like that that caught our initial uh, attention, and then it kind of crashed through the brush as it went through. 
Yeah, that's what I remember too, is the way that it, it crashed through, um, you know, hitting the brush, the sticks on the ground, things like that. Everything was breaking. Maybe by the weight of the animal as it was running too might have been what's caused the uh, the noises too. Yeah, yeah. And I would estimate that this animal, I don't think I mentioned it before, but I would estimate that it weighed at least 100 pounds given how big it was. Yeah, looking back, I would think that would be a very good estimate. You still live in the area. Do you hear of any other accounts that may have taken place, um, you know, in southeast Ohio, Guernsey County, Muskingum County, Noble County, that kind of area? Um, actually, I've called into your show once to uh, let you know a story about uh, one that I saw here while on duty, actually. You um, did, actually. I around a few years that. ago. Yeah. Um, was driving my cruiser, heading up the uh, you know, state route, just driving along during the day. And across the road was a, a black animal that had a long tail. I wasn't close enough to say it was a cat for sure, but um, definitely something that you don't see every day in the area up here. And that had, had only been you know five years ago. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to play that call right now just so uh, you guys can have a good idea of what's going on. It happened early on in season one when I was struggling for calls, and you kind of did me a favor and, and called that in, I think, against your will. but. Uh, pretty def- much, but definitely appreciate that. But I'm going to play that right now. Yeah, I just wanted to call in and share my story with you. Um, I'm a small town police officer in Ohio, and had a um, uh, ride along with me, a civilian rider, and we're going through town, and and he goes, "Hey, did you see the size of that large cat over there?" And I just thought he meant like a house cat. And I kept driving. He kept, going, "No, that thing was you know really big and had a really long tail and it was." Uh, solid black just kind of you know ignored it didn't think too much of it um but then a few days later i'm driving around by myself in the patrol car it's you know probably springtime um daylight middle of the day and heading up the road and i see this large animal starting across the road and i'm thinking you know it's probably a stray dog so i try to catch up so i can take a better look at it get it back to its owner as I get closer, I look at it, and I notice the ears first thing. It just had regular cat ears, real pointy. Um, then as I get even closer, I notice the really long tail. And it was just a solid black large cat. looked to be almost three feet tall at the shoulders. And as soon as I got a good look of it, it, it sprinted across the roadway and then up into the woods area. So I never got truly close enough to take a good look at it, but it was definitely something that uh, didn't belong out in that area. Um, and nothing I've seen before or since. So I just wanted to share that story with you. Thank you. So that was a call submitted by Trevor um, three years ago, I'd say, something like that. So clearly there's some sort of uh, animal running around or maybe a population of these animals running around this area. And in fact, I can remember a story that uh, Dad told us when we were kids about our uncle seeing something near the AEP strip pits, which was basically a huge... A piece of land that was strip mined and reclaimed. Uh, apparently, this creature wasn't black, though, but he said it was a large, I guess, cat, for lack of a better term, that was, you know, bigger than a bobcat, which you guys do have in that area. I've seen one actually really close to where that sighting took place. I saw one dead on the road a few years ago while Dad and I were fishing. So I know that they live there, but I don't think that's what he was describing because the way Dad told the story, and I should probably try to get him on here, but the way Dad told the story... It was a large brownish cat instead of a black cat, but it was still very big. Are you familiar with that yeah. story at all? Or? 
No, not at all. I don't remember that one. Okay, maybe that's just something he told me because he knew I was interested in it. I guess we should kind of back out a little bit and look at this rationally. Is there an animal that lives in your area that could be mistaken for what we saw? In my opinion, no. Not that I can think of off the top of my head. Just some of the features were very distinct to make you believe that is a cat, without a doubt. I'd, I'd always thought that maybe we saw a black bear. The size would have been right, especially if it was a younger black bear that was you know, skinny on the skinnier side. But the tail that you described, I also remember, uh, especially now that you, you mention it. I can picture the tail. Now, I don't know if that's an implanted memory or you know something that's adapted over time. When I visualize it in my mind, I can certainly see the long tail and the sleek fur. I can remember the shine of the, of the coat more than anything. Yeah, I remember those details as well. You know, besides the tail, I, I think you know a bear's body would have been a little bit bigger, um, and even the run would have been a lot different. And yeah. this thing was very, very low, very sleek as it as it ran through the brush. I think a bear would be more um, almost aggressive in his approach, and this thing looked like it was trying to get out of there as quietly and quickly as possible, but but failing as we obviously heard it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly how I remember it as well. But do you guys have bear in the area? Yeah, there are. They're um, not very common. Do you see them or, or have people report seeing them? But they are in the area. I mean, they're difficult to see anyway. We have, I couldn't even tell you how many here. Um, and they get in the trash sometimes. And I've still only seen two. In three years of living here, I've seen two. So that's pretty good, I guess, considering how difficult it is to actually lay eyes on these creatures. Right. Uh, is there anything in closing that you would like to add to uh, basically our encounter or anything else that's going on in the area. Have you heard of other sightings that people have had, or is there a legend in the area that maybe I don't know about? Anything like that that kind of uh, comes to mind? Nothing that I know of as far as legends or or even other sightings, to be honest. Um, I haven't mentioned this to a lot of people, mostly just our, our friends and family, but I've never heard anybody else report the same thing. I know about the same time that we saw this, they were planning on an animal reserve in the AEP area, which wasn't too far from where we saw it. And we always speculated that might have been the cause of how this animal, like maybe it escaped, but I don't believe anything was actually living there at that time. I think they were still pre-planning all that. Well, on top of that, we're talking about the wilds, which is uh, part of the Columbus Zoo, or it used to be part of the Columbus Zoo at least. And it's a big, uh, I guess, safari park kind of situation, but it's more in the line of conservation than exhibition. Uh, so they, they have tour buses and stuff, and they have a lot of rhino and giraffe. And I actually did a lot of research on this and discovered that they didn't get predators there until the mid-2000s. It was, even when they first started, it was just herbivores, basically. I, I think they had rhinos and, like I said, giraffes, zebra, bison, stuff like that. Like, nothing predator-related. And even now, what do they have? They have, like, cape hunting dogs. They have cheetah. And I believe that's it as far as predators are concerned. Yeah, they have uh, the painted dogs and the cheetah are pretty much the, the only two. And, and neither one of those would even look anything remotely like what we've seen. Yeah, and and those are fairly recent additions to the park. Correct, yes. So you mentioned that you haven't told a whole lot of people about this encounter or these encounters. Is there a reason for that? Is It just never came up or is it something you're reluctant to talk about? Are you afraid people will think differently of you? Like, is there a stigma behind this, basically? 
no, not really. Just you know, between it not coming up sometimes and uh, you know, just not really having a good explanation. It's hard to explain something that you're not 100% sure what it was. To me, anyway, that's kind of how I feel. I like to really, you know, really be able to explain exactly what's going on. You know, I think it's probably part of being a cop is telling de- details exactly as it was, but not knowing exactly what we saw. It just kind of you know, sits in the background and waits until you know maybe we hear something otherwise. Like, oh yeah, we saw that too, and we can always tell our story later on. Yeah. Now, are you aware? I don't think I've ever mentioned this to you, but are you aware that what we saw is actually a a uh, fairly big phenomenon in the cryptozoology world. It's known as alien big cats or ABCs. Is that something that you've heard of? Uh, no, I haven't, actually. So these cats have been sighted in numerous states, including Ohio. I've had several calls, even in the past couple weeks, of Ohio big cat sightings. And I know that I just saw this on Facebook, I think, two weeks ago, that in northwest Ohio near Toledo, somebody actually caught a mountain lion on a game cam. And it's distinct. It's a mountain lion. No no question about it. And I think that's the first time it's been confirmed that a mountain lion or cougar has entered the state of Ohio since the 1750s or something like that when they basically went extinct. I don't think that what we saw is a mountain lion, but the fact that they uh, can survive there definitely helps lend credence to what we saw. Like, I know whatever it is that we saw probably isn't native to the area, perhaps an escaped pet or something like that, but it could survive given the uh, fact that a mountain lion can survive there. Yeah, that's that's very true. And, and also, talking about an escaped pet, actually not far from here, they had a, a person who had a lot of caged animals, including tigers and lions and bears even, he had let them escape and you know had to be actually put down by the sheriff's department keep from injuring other people but there so there has been cases of people owning animals in the area so it could be possible that it was something that got away but again we never heard anything like that growing up or around that time frame of course you're talking about the i believe they call it the zanesville massacre at this point and i'm going to interject a news story about that right here the following clip comes courtesy of abc news a kind of deadly safari in the suburbs of Ohio today. As more than 50 lions, Bengal tigers, and bears roamed the streets, residents locking their homes, children kept behind closed doors. The animals were unleashed on the town by a suicidal man who kept them in his backyard. And ABC's David Curley spent the day following this inconceivable story and the animal scouts who had to track wild prey in Zanesville, Ohio. This sign perfectly captured the fear that gripped this small Ohio town today. Exotic animals, wild animals on the loose. What may be the biggest release of dangerous carnivores in U.S. history? The frantic 911 calls. 911. Yeah, there's a lion on Mount Perry Road in Grayshaw. I'm pretty sure, and I just saw a wolf. I think I just seen one. Looks like a jaguar or a wolf or something. Deputies with shoot-to-kill orders used their pistols to take down lions, tigers, bears, and wolves before the sun went down. And with daylight... It is still, still not a completely secured area. There were still wild animals on the loose. And even when they found one and tried to tranquilize it, it became aggressive and also had to be put down. We had animals outside that fenced area along the road that were trying to get loose. I had deputies that had to shoot animals with their sidearms at close range. Today, schools were ordered closed, children kept indoors. We are not talking about your normal, everyday house cat or dog. These are 300-pound Bengal tigers that we've had to put down. When it was over, 
49 animals have been killed, including 18 Bengal tigers. Ohio has more incidents with exotic animals than any other state. Its laws are among the most lenient in the country. Columbus Zoo Director Jack Hanna was in town all day to help police. But I'll do everything I can over my dead body to put these people out of business. The release of 56 wild animals was the last desperate act of their owner. Just out of prison, Terry Thompson deliberately cut cages open before committing suicide with a gun. Some of the animals attacked his body. Thompson's estranged wife covered her face from reporters, but did help move the surviving six animals into crates to take to the Columbus Zoo. Tom Stauff saw the scene. He called the conditions there abhorrent. To see all of these animals piled up after they, they were, were killed um, because they were running free, running loose uh, in a dangerous situation, this is wrong. This is way wrong. There is only one animal that is unaccounted for tonight. It's a Macau monkey, which could be carrying a virus that is dangerous to humans. But officials say there's also a chance that that monkey was eaten by one of the big cats. Do you know when the law changed about when you can keep these exotic animals without a license? It would have been a year after that event is when oh, it did that change. was early? Yeah. I mean, because it, it, legislation started as soon as that happened. Um, I think Jack Hanna was behind it. He got involved in a lot of that. So it went that quick that how they changed, you have to have licenses and, and a lot of pets, you just, or a lot of animals you can't keep as a pet anymore. Well, then if that's the case, Ohio must have been one of the last states to adopt these laws because in most states, you cannot keep these uh, big predators without a special permit and license. Uh, I don't know the laws exactly, but most of this took place in the 70s, I believe. I know it's like our state, California, I can't even have a hedgehog here. Not that I would want to, but um, <laughs> there's certain animals that they've deemed uh, dangerous to, I suppose, like the natural population. So if somebody were to get a pet hedgehog and let it loose, it could run amok throughout the state, overpopulate and cause a huge issue. So that's why they try to keep these animals out. And as far as these big predators are concerned, I don't think I need to say why you need a special license to keep something like that. That definitely makes sense, um, <laughs> you know, to have that kind of law. But, yeah, I don't remember it really being either enforced or if it just wasn't truly in place or the um, stipulations were very lenient on how to get those type of animals um, until that tragic incident in Muskingum County. But after that, it took about a year, and then the laws have been changed and um, makes it almost impossible to have that type of animal without being in a zoo or some type of um, an habitat like that. And that's probably for the best. Yes, absolutely. Definitely is. And the last thing I want to touch on, I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you do, but you may even still go to this, but there was a tiny little town, I don't know, 30 miles from where we grew up called Rainersville. And every year they would have, I don't even know what it was, what was that called? Do you remember? Or is it still happening? Uh, yeah, it's still happening. It's Rainersville Trader Days. Trader Days. So when we were kids, yeah. you could go to Rainers Day, Rain, whatever it was called. We could go there <laughs> and you could buy bobcat kittens. You could buy bear cubs. I've seen all this stuff in cages. How this stuff got through, I have no idea. But I distinctly remember seeing all these animals for purchase at this humongous flea market style get together in the backwoods of Southeast Ohio. If you still have you been there recently? Yeah, uh, about two years ago we went. Do they still have animals like that available there? They do, not that type of animal anymore. Um, you know, just the regular dogs, a few cats, uh, mostly hunting dogs is what they, they try to target now. 
Um, I did see some kind of weird flying squirrel oh, yeah. thing, okay. but this guy was, he was keeping it under his coat and trying to be really discreet about trying to get rid of it though. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Probably maybe a sugar glider or something like that, huh? It, it might've been something similar, but yeah, it would just kind of crawl around. You'd see it and he'd be like, oh, they're 200 bucks or I can't remember how much he was selling them for, but, sure. um, it was definitely, you know, drawing a crowd, but trying not to. Uh, but other than that, you know, they didn't have the animals that you talked about, but I do remember those as well. Being there a lo- long time ago, um, you've seen different things like the bobcats and stuff. is kind of weird. I don't remember ever seeing a uh, a big black cat for sale there or black cat kits or anything like that. So, you know, I'm not, su- I'm, I'm not suggesting that that's where these came from, but just uh, basically – giving an example of how lenient the laws were or uh, how much people ignored the laws, at least back in those days. Yeah. And I, I think ignored might've been even the better term because, you know, it just wasn't enforced. <laughs> Certainly, you know, as a patrol officer, we don't deal with, you know, caged animals and trying to arrest people for that. That's something that we don't see. I'm sure there are special people in the, the state that would handle that if we would ever get that type of case. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to thank you again for taking the time to sit down with me and, and talk about this. I was very curious to see how much our stories actually lined up. So um, I'm going to kick it over to my story right now, and then uh, I'll come back with kind of a little comparison to wrap this whole thing up. But I definitely want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us tonight, and uh, definitely be safe out there. Always be safe out there. You worry me every time you go out. Oh, absolutely. I you know, keep an eye out and we'll definitely be safe. And hey, I'm glad you had me come on the show. I appreciate it and glad to share my uh, story with you. Yeah, keep your eye out for spooky stuff too. I know you're down in the river town with a bunch of uh, history in that area. So let me know if you ever see anything. Oh, I see, hear different things in our, our office and then also the jail over there. So maybe one day we can get some stories out to you. Ooh, maybe a live broadcast. That would be awesome. <laughs> Nothing will happen, I'm sure. Absolutely not. (laughs) All right, Trevor. Well, tell the kids I said hi, and thank you so much for being on. Yep, will do. It should be noted that I recorded this story several days before I interviewed Trevor. I did it this way so that neither of our stories would, I guess, uh, infect the others as far as information is concerned. So they were basically created in a vacuum. Now, for my story. So my story begins when I was probably maybe 12, 11, 10, somewhere around in that uh, general area. And it was the summertime. We were off of school. So my brother Trevor, our neighbor and friend Kenny... And I can't remember if my youngest brother, Cohen, was there or not. He would have been pretty young, but he always trailed along despite the fact that he was three or four years old. So at any point, we just began exploring the vast open forest behind my dad's property. He owns 13 acres. My neighbor owned, I believe, seven. And the other neighbor owned almost 100. And then there was just nothing but vacant uh, treed lots after that. So we're looking at probably, I don't know, 20 square miles of just woods. No houses, no roads, nothing. Just 20 square miles of woods behind us. So there's tons of space for anything to hide. 
So at any rate, at this point, we've decided we're going to start exploring this area. And we called it sightseeing. In fact, we even had our lunchboxes packed with a sandwich and a thermos full of Kool-Aid or whatever it was at the time. So we made our way down to the woods and we found uh, this pipeline where someone had cleared a ribbon of land across the rolling hills. It just looked like somebody waxed the trees right out of the landscape. So at the bottom of this pipeline, they dug up this large uh, granite boulder. Maybe it was limestone, now that I'm looking back on it. But anyway, it had all these little weird fossils in it. Uh, little, they looked like beads, but they were little microscopic animals from millions of years ago. So as we were sitting there eating our lunch, looking at these little fossils, we hear a crash on the hillside above us. Now, where we were situated, there was a, uh, a flat spot. We were right next to a creek, and then there was a rise on the other side of the creek, maybe uh, 50 feet high. But it was gradual, so it was a pretty long rise. It was just a hillside. And up there on that hillside came a giant black cat. And it looked like a black house cat, only about five times as large. Now, I'd estimate the length of the body to be about four feet, not including the tail. And it probably stood at least two and a half feet tall at the shoulder, if not higher. Now, the creature was incredibly fast. We only had a window of maybe... 30 feet to see this thing before it disappeared into the tree line and it covered that distance in no less than two seconds I'd say it was very very fast so the trajectory it was taking took it directly toward the pipeline which means open grass we should be able to get a good look at this thing so we all quickly ran to try to cut it off now when I say cut it off I don't mean we tried to get in front of the creature. We just simply tried to get a better angle to see what we were looking at. But by that point, it was long gone. So excitedly, we all packed up our lunch and ran home. A few hours later, my dad finally got off of work, and I could not wait to tell him what we'd seen. So as I was sitting there, excitedly explaining that we saw a gigantic black cat, he simply chimes out, Oh yeah, I saw that thing last week down at the pond. And even as a 10, 11, or 12-year-old, my first thought was, how in the hell are you going to let us go down in the woods knowing that there is a full-size black panther running around down there? To this day, I still don't know what he was thinking. Or, maybe he didn't know we were going down there. As I said at the beginning of the story, we just started exploring the area. So the description my father gave was very, very similar to what we saw. He described seeing a large black cat. Now, we had a problem with groundhogs at the time. They would pretty much destroy anything. So he would go off into the woods every once in a while and pick a few of them off. I guess it's pest control at this point. So he carried around a .222. I'm not a huge gun guy, but I kind of know a few different uh, calibers. And I know that that's a decent-sized firearm. And I should add that this uh, rifle had a scope on it. So he's wandering around looking for groundhogs, sign of action, and comes down to the pond and there is this big black cat taking a drink my dad said that he put the scope on it and he could see clearly that it wasn't a house cat that it was some sort of large black panther something that belonged in a zoo he said Uh, but something compelled him not to shoot and i'm so happy that he didn't although that might have proved that this thing was real and may have shed some light on what we're actually dealing with here there's just something about the fact that it could still be running around out there that i'm in love with so i'm very thankful that he didn't pull the trigger that day. 
So, ultimately, as you can hear, our two stories are relatively similar. And to be quite honest, I'm surprised. Now, as we mentioned, it had been almost 30 years since this encounter took place, and it may have actually been 30 years. So we both fully expected there to be some sort of variation between uh, what he remembered and what I remembered. But I guess I should be pleasantly surprised that that wasn't the case. Either way, we still have no answers for what it is we saw that evening. But what we do know is that it sparked an interest. And not only me, but I'm pretty sure Trevor as well. He certainly has a small interest in all this stuff. Uh, Not nearly as much as I do, but there's a lot of people on this planet that's not quite as interested as I am. So, At any rate, this has been the first deep dive into a witness encounter. I want to thank you all so much for your support through Patreon. Without that, uh, I don't know uh, where we'd be. So thank you so much for that, and stay tuned for next week, and uh, keep it spooky. Thank you. Your home is more connected than ever. So when one kid is schooling the competition... Got it. The other is getting schooled. The mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And you're streaming a webinar for work and the latest episode of your favorite show at the same time. Shh. Your Wi-Fi needs to be able to handle it. That's why Xfinity never stops working to bring you faster, more reliable Wi-Fi. So you can do it all, all at the same time. Xfinity. The future of awesome. Learn more at Xfinity.com. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To connect with us. To see that no detail is too small. To be our special guest. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes an exceptional experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.